Peter's praying over me, Bun's praying over me, and now I feel the weight uh, of, of, of all, yeah, maybe the, Courtney's right in saying the release of the Lord to come in power. Um, this last month has been tumultuous, to say the least, for a lot of people. It's been tumultuous for the nations. It's been, uh, it was, it's been a time in which we, we've had to circumspectly think about the way that we live as Christians how we react to situations, how we grow through those situations, and how we see God through the power of His Holy Spirit giving us opportunity. And I, I think today that's, that's what God's been per- putting on my heart for the last week, is certainly um, the opportunities that the Lord brings to us, that He establishes for us. And those are moments in time in which we step into those opportunities and we see the hand of the Lord. And I, I wanted to, to kind of bring to us today a word which we don't often hear, but maybe we should hear, but at the same time, something that we think about all the time. And I, I want to say this in a caveat right from the beginning, that this church is an unbelievably giving church. The amount you give, the faithfulness to the Lord... Uh, the, the moments of service, the donations, the collections. I mean, I think of the past seven years only in my own experience, and I think about how generous this church has been, not only to this community, but to the nations. And your faithfulness will be stored up in heaven because you have been so graciously faithful. I want to talk about the act of giving. Now, it's an interesting one because you heard Peter so aptly read 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 9. And this last week, as I was wandering through the park, actually on three consecutive days, the Lord brought to my attention James 1, verse 17. And I don't know if it became a pattern in my mind, but it's something that I'm experiencing in Christ. And I wanted to I wanted to share this this passage of scripture with you. And it says this, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. The Lord's will never changes. The Lord does not change. He is consistently faithful. But every good and precious gift that he gives to us is an opportunity by which we can bless others. The word used for gift, dosis, refers specifically, and this is the interesting thing where God corrects your theology continuously. I always thought the gift meant, well, he gives us gifts, he gives us uh, beliefs, and we can take those gifts and we can use those things. But the, the word specifically that James uses is the word that we use for donations, He doesn't talking about just our spiritual aspect. He's talking about the practical giving that the church engages in that transforms the lives of those people around them. And we would all agree that that's vitally important. And in the context of this, James only uses this verse once. He only uses this word once. But there's only one other time in the whole New Testament that it's used exactly the same way. And the Apostle Paul must have borrowed it from James. And he says this in Philippians 4.15, he says, Moreover, as you Philippians now, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, that meaning the gospel has come to you, 
When I set out through Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the manner of giving doses and receiving except you only. Paul's saying, your church was faithful. For even as I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in complete need. Not that I desire your gifts. That's an interesting statement. But I desire that more it be credited to your account. How many of you know this? That that when we stand before God, God will say to us, well done, good and faithful, what? Servant, right? He, He says to you, servant. Diaconus, you've been serving. You've been faithful. But why would he say that? if we didn't have to give an account here on earth for what we're doing. No, he acknowledges what we do for others. He acknowledges what we do here on earth as we bring the kingdom of God as it is, what, in heaven to earth. God acknowledges, I'm going to credit your account. Isn't it interesting that Paul uses a banking word? Credit and debits. I'm going to credit your account. See, Paul's Paul's interested in the manner in which we give, the matter in which we give, how we give. God tallies this for us. And it's interesting because Jesus brought that point up when he looked at the parable of the talents. The talents are not our talents, like we're at a talent show. Uh, they're, They're actually a monetary unit in which he says, hey, well done, you, you, You were given one talent. No, you were given 10 talents. I'm going to give you 10 cities. You've multiplied the talents that I give you. You've capitalized for the sake of the Lord. How are we capitalizing? What does that look like? Have you ever asked that question? How many many of you have ever gone to the bank? And you've looked at your spreadsheet, you've looked at the sheet they've given you, and you've said, okay, we're capitalizing. It's growing. And how many of you feel really good when it's growing? How many of you feel pretty bad when it's not? Ever have that moment? Giving gives us an opportunity to grow. It's opposite. The kingdom of this world is different than the kingdom, or the kingdom of the world is different than the kingdom of our God. The way that God does things in the economy is different than the way the world does. The world typically takes and it consumes. The kingdom of God says, I want you to give and I want to multiply. Everything that we do for the kingdom of God is about multiplication for the sake of his glory. When when Jesus said to the disciples, I want you to go into the nations and baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And guess what? I will be with you always. That right there was about multiplication. Because quite frankly, there were very few of them at the time. And what, what were they sent to do? Multiply. Giving. And I'm going to define it for you. Present with. Provide for. Supply with. Furnish with gift with, hand, hi, let someone have, offer, proffer, award, grant, bestow, accord, confer, donate, 
Doses. Contribute, hand over, make over, leave, bequeath, pledge. I like this word because I've never seen it before. Vouchsafe. How, how, how many of you are using that in your daily vernacular? Vouchsafe. See, giving is an opportunity. And God's been really showing me that the more you give, the more he gives you. The more you release from what you have, the more God releases to you. He's confirming in practicality what Peter read. If you sow sparingly, you will reap sparingly. But if you sow liberally, God will give you more abundantly. Two weeks ago, a little over two weeks ago, you noticed that we started refurbishing the manse at St. Luke's Brody Ferry. Um, so on Albert Street, we've, been, we, we, we've gone through a process of ripping out carpets and uh, tearing out toilets and filling skips and painting walls. Paul, thank you for painting all that white. Um, I, I'm impressed you've gotten the paint off of your hands. Um, and Mark... Thank you, you did not get on to any ladders while you were painting, praise the Lord. Um, but Mark was over there painting uh, and serving, and Bun was tearing out carpets. And, and I, I look out and I see the various people who are serving. And I, I walked in one day, and it was interesting because I'm normally used to seeing the people I know, but all of a sudden there's this woman who's sitting in the toilet to the right, right when I walked in. And I look over and I'm like, I don't know her. And she's over there painting away. And she turns around and she goes, oh, hello. Uh, and she, she looks at me and, and I said, oh, she shared with me the name. She shared about how she had heard about the project. She just showed up at the house to give her time. And, and she apologized that she couldn't paint any longer. She said, oh, my arm is hurting. She, she was probably in her 70s. And, and she said, but you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go out uh, and I'm going to find some gift cards for this family that's moving in. And the next thing I know, she, with her with a little white paint on over, she just takes off. And, and I thought, well, that was really nice. And, and I, was, I remember reflecting as I walked down the hall to look at all the rest of the people serving. She's really got a good heart. And what a beautiful lady. And later that evening, I opened my email with my family sitting in the living room. And I get this email in my inbox with a detailed list of everywhere she had gone off to with how many gift cards and how much money they were all worth that she had collected. It was like, and I, and I, and I sat there. She had gone to everybody in the ferry. And, 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 and every shop that could potentially offer, she stopped there. And I remember one of the girls in the room, go, as I'm reading this through, this beautiful email from this young girl, somebody goes, she's a Jim. It's true. It's true. Because two days later, this package shows up at my house. And when I opened it, there were all the gift cards compiled, put together, with a wee little letter detailing how the various stores, and who hadn't given yet, <laughs> She had joined the conspiracy, this conspiracy to do good in the world. I felt like we were having some kind of like secret meeting, you know. She, she came in a few days later and she said, did you get the package? 
And I felt like it was like a spy movie. I'm like, I can confirm that the package has arrived. You know? <laughs> I was like, you know, and I think, I think what, what that inspires in us is what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 7. We read 9, but a chapter back, he says this. These types are the grace of giving. How many of you want to experience the grace of giving? Not that you give by compulsion, but just graciously giving. And, and there's a joy in this. And I don't often talk about giving. Many of you know that. From the, I'm not afraid to talk about it. I mean, we, we live by the gift of God, right? How many can agree that everything that we receive from the Lord is a gift from God? We didn't earn it. He bestows it upon us graciously. And we enter into that grace of giving. Giving is the Christian life. Did you hear me? Giving is the Christian life. It's who we are. Giving is something so ingrained in the Bible that quite frankly, we need to sometimes remind us ourselves that that as we give, God gives to us. As God gives to us, we freely give. He's given us his son. He has given us, and the son himself died for us and gave himself for us. And then the son said, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. See, the whole Trinitarian concept of life is that God is a gift giver. And he doesn't change. No shadow of changing. He's the father of light. And as we give, we bestow light. Paul wrote to the Macedonian church, and he said this, and I want, I want to read it to you. It's 2 Corinthians 8. He said, Now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able. How much did they give? As much as they were able. And even beyond their ability. Entirely on their own. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. You getting that? The Macedonians have realized there's a massive need in Corinth. And what did they do? They started pleading to the Lord that they had this great privilege that they could share. And it ex- it, Paul says, it exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves, first of all, to the Lord. And then, by the will of God, also to us. So we urge Titus, just as he had earlier made a beginning, to bring forth the completion of this act of grace on your part. But since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnest, and in love, we have kindled in you that you also excel in this grace of giving. What's that? Well, there are two churches. And Paul's trying to talk to one church about giving to another church. But he's using the generosity of the Macedonians as an example. Do you know how important it is that churches talk with each other? But it's first and foremost important that if you are going to give, what Paul says is they gave themselves first to the Lord. 
Everything we do comes out of that heart. I'm giving myself to you, Lord. Lord, what are you going to do today? What do you want me to do today? Who are you taking me to today? Who do I need to meet a need for today? What's going to happen today? And notice how important that statement is. The starting point of giving is not you or I. Although we're part of the foundation, the act of giving oneself starts with the Lord. And that's why when we look at how churches interact with each other, we realize that how beautiful it is when brothers dwell in unity and they understand the importance of taking care of one another, of actually looking on and saying, I know you have a need. The Ukrainian church has needs, does it not? It's our responsibility in Christ to take up the opportunity to give and to live for the Lord. The most important thing that we can do in life is live for God and be an example to Him and for Him. And do you know what the Ukrainian church will look on? At the nations of the earth who are living for God, the Christians who are living for God, and they will be a testimony of care and concern. Beyond their ability, what a privilege. How many things do we have in life that are a privilege and an opportunity? And giving is beyond, at times, beyond our ability. The other day I received a, an answer to prayer. Graham and I were in the kitchen of the manse. And you know, you know when you start a project, you, you never really know what's going to happen, do you? you kind of begin to trust the Lord and you, you wonder, okay, we've ripped out the carpets, we've started painting the walls, um, there are things that are going on. And I remember at one point in time, um, we'd come to the kind of the conclusion of the kitchen and we're standing there and Graham and I are like, well, the kitchen's done. And I turned around and I said, we don't have a refrigerator. And, uh, and so we said a simple prayer. God, will you provide a refrigerator for us? Oh, that's simple. Lord, please, we need a refrigerator. We know that you love us and you care for this family and you want to provide for them. Um, and so then I threw it out to a WhatsApp kind of group and within five minutes, a donor had arrived and said, yeah, we purchased it for you. See, to them, uh, when I called them to thank them, they said, oh, Nathan, this is a privilege. I don't think they knew they were quoting scripture, but it was a privilege. Why? Because they understood that they have an account in heaven that they're actually giving to, and, and there's debits and credits, and all those things are making their way. It was a privilege. They understand that giving is not an option in the kingdom of God. It's something that we do. Now, I want to say this. Um, Oftentimes, giving messages end up with tithings. <laughs> you ever heard that? Everybody ends up in a tithe. And while the New Testament does not lay down the principle of tithing, we need to be honest that it neither sets it aside. God calls us to give to the Lord from our hearts and where we're at. We have an obligation to give not under compulsion. And so I hope when you, when you leave this place, you don't walk out going, 
Nathan just told me that I was supposed to just give. That's all I did. That's what. No, there's no compulsion in giving. It's you examining the ability that you have to meet the need. That's it. See, it's a service to the saints. Paul says that. At the beginning of the chapter 9, he says this, that meeting the needs is a service to the saints. It addresses the question of collections. I know your eagerness to help. That's what he says to the Jerusalem church. I know your eagerness to help. And in fact, I've been boasting about it to the Macedonians. Paul's been telling the Macedonians how the Corinthians want to help. And to be fair, I didn't realize that I was doing this because there's been so many different churches working together on this project that they show up and they say, I ask them, what church did you come from? Uh, you know, sometimes it's, oh, well, I come from this church. Oh, really? Or I come from this church. And, and, and there have been times when I've been sitting there saying, oh, guess what this church wants to do? And guess what? They go, that's a great idea. I bet you we can one-up and all of a sudden, there's this competition of giving. There's a, we'd all agree, competition's a bit healthy, isn't it? Wouldn't we agree with that? And me, being me, I would never wind anybody up. Um, <laughs> of course not. Graham, Graham, thankfully, Graham's not here for the service because he's heard me say so many stories as people walk in the house. you got to see what God's doing here. And I take him into this room and, oh, let me tell you this story. Do you know that we didn't have anybody to lay the carpets? <laughs> Guess what happened? I remember the guys who came and laid the carpets here at Downfield, so I called them. They weren't Christian, but they were real nice. We know who you are, Nathan. You know why? Because I sat there for two and a half hours as they laid the carpets talking to him about Jesus the whole time. You know that Jesus loves you? You know, he's so amazing. This is what God does. He's so awesome. He's so great, you know. Yeah, we know who, exactly who you are, Nathan. And the guy goes, we'll be over to check it out soon. And when they showed up, I wasn't even there. And Graham goes, so-and-so showed up for the carpets. And I said, yeah, they're a wild bunch, aren't they? And he goes, yeah. <laughs> and I, said, I asked him, I said, um, what's it going to cost? You've you, you got to ask that question, right? And he said, uh, he said a phrase that had been used twice by every person who's come, well, by two people who've come to work in the house. One was for the electrical. Um, what's that going to cost? Well, the first guy says, we'll keep the pencils sharp. Do you, do you know what that means? Basically, um, well, they're, they're going to give us the best price. They're not going to use the pencil to write it down. So this, the, the, guy, the guy comes in again for the carpets. We'll keep the pencil sharp. I'm like, this must be a phrase that all the joiners and people use in this city. This is awesome. Can we all just keep it sharp all the time? <laughs> Goes without saying. Why? Because God loves people. And he wants to provide for them. But the way that he provides for them is through you and I. 
as we faithfully give our donations unto the Lord. And guess what happens out of the deal? Paul says this, they'll be encouraged to learn. Every church gets strengthened when we step out in faith. He, he uses the word enthusiasm. It's basically enthused, right? It's, it's what happens when we blow up big balloons, right? What happens? We're blowing in air into things. We get so excited that eventually what happens to the balloon? Never mind. That was a little over the top, wasn't it? Oh, you've got to be quiet, please. Enthusiasm. This is the pattern. This is the act of giving. This is what we do. It teaches us. And it also holds us to account. When we say what we're going to do, we do it. We say what we're going to do, we do it. No more talk. How many of you realize talk is cheap? Isn't that interesting? We use, we use, a, uh, we use a monetary word or a monetary phrase to discuss talk. Talk is cheap. But action has value. Action has value. Paul's great concern for the Corinthians is that they knew how to talk, but they were a little concerned. He was concerned about whether or not they would really do what they said because they struggled, as it says in 2 Corinthians 9, 5, grudgingly in their giving. Have you ever been that way? Don't answer. Right? We don't withhold. And it's a necessary reminder of what Peter again read. Whoever sows sparingly, reaps sparingly. For those that are generous, sows generous, will reap generously. It's Proverbs 11.24. One man gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, and he comes to poverty. The more we give away, uh, and I love this. This is, again, Pilgrim's Progress. I, I quoted it last week. There was a man they said was mad. His name wasn't Nathan, by the way. There was a man they said was mad. The more he gave, the more he had. A generous man will prosper. A generous person will prosper. He who refreshes others will be refreshed. Giving actually allows us refreshment. It changes us. It's a proverbial, it's a proverbial statement. It's not, it's not a categorical promise, though. We don't just give so that we can get. We give so that we can be refreshed. There's a difference. We give so that the economy of God can be the economy of God. Verse 7 of 2 Corinthians says this, Each individual should give what they've decided in their hearts to give, and not reluctantly, under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And we all know what cheerful is. It's the word hilarious, laughable. That moment when you step back and go, that was really funny. I can't believe that happened. You laugh about it. And you think, I could have never made that happen. It's God who loves to make things happen so that we sit back and go, this is awesome. Do you remember when we shipped out to Poland? 
We shipped out, we shipped all those, the material, and it was like seven feet high, and people kept coming all day long, and people were opening the doors, even when it wasn't door time, and uh, people would show up with stuff, and you're like, okay, and I can remember at one point in time going, oh no, and I could see them coming down the thing, and, and I'm like, we're not even open, but then we'd open the door, and they'd go in and go, oh, this is so lovely, I'm going to go get my friend's stuff too, you know, and then they're off, and you're, you're, they came in, and it was seven feet high, and I can remember at one point in time thinking, oh my gosh, and I remember, I remember Simon walking down the street, and I was standing out front, pretty shell-shocked at how much stuff had arrived, and it was like seven feet high, and I'm sitting there going, how are we ever going to do this, and, and Simon goes, yeah, right, you know, how you say that, don't you, Simon, yeah, right, and I went, I feel like I'm drinking from a fire hose. And I was like, I can't take any more. But guess what? We can. And God kept giving and kept giving. Why? Because we laugh. We take it as a matter of heart. It's hilarious. And what does it do? All grace is given to us because everything that we need God wants to provide everything we need so God so so we scatter God supplies having all you would need for what to abound in every good work God has works and plans for the world and he's using you and I to make those things happen so whether it's the sanctuary refurbishment eventually or whether it's uh, supplying for a school in Ukraine or whether it's outreach uh, to the local community of the Ukrainians who are arriving, God is able because he has things for us to do. He supplies seed to the sower for bread. What? And increase your store of seed and he'll enlarge it for what? A harvest of righteousness. A harvest of righteousness. You'll be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. Why does God give you more money? Because he wants you to be rich so that he can give you more money. Have you ever noticed, um, have you ever noticed that people who give, um, they always have their funds topped up? Do you ever notice that? People who give, I'm, no, I'm starting to notice that. The people give, God gives more abundantly to them so that their storehouses are topped up so that they can give more. And I, I love this. Um, and he does this for only one reason I can figure. Because they're generous. It's not because they're more worthy or less worthy or anything like that. They're just generous. And because they're generous, God gives them and multiplies to them. And I can tell you that the, the elders and the leaders of this church have been completely in awe so often, long before I arrived, and since I have arrived, at the magnanimity of God and who He is and what He provides and how He has been faithful continuously. So whether you've been an elder here for over 55 years, you've been here forever, it doesn't matter. You get God's blessing. God wants to top it. But God does something else, and I'm going to close with this, and I want it to be something that we remember. There's a salvific manner to the way that we do things in life and the way we give. At the end of Jesus' life, before he was put on the cross and before he was crucified, he 
took his disciples away up to the Mount of Olives and he had a special discipleship. And Matthew happened to be sitting there. So Matthew wrote down everything that Jesus was saying. And and they had already come to the conclusion as they traveled with Jesus for three years that foxes have holes and birds have nests, but the Son of Man had no place to lay his head. So they recognized the importance of the faithfulness of giving throughout the whole ministry of Jesus for three years. They were recipients of that grace. But in this last moment, Jesus gathers them together. He doesn't have much time. And he says to them, I want to share something with you. Because um, they ask the question, what will be the sign of your coming? What will be the sign of the end of the age? And, and he says to them, the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed of my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger. I was a foreigner. Is basically, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous, because they're righteous, will ask the pertinent question, when did we see you? All those things. When did we do this? And the king will reply, truly, I tell you, whatever you did for the least of the brothers, the least, and when he uses the word least, he's talking about the, the, the poor. When you did that, you did it unto me. And then he says this. Truly. And that's, that's those sheep on the right, the goats on the left. He said, depart from me, you worker of iniquity, you who are cursed to eternal fire. For I was really hungry, and you gave me nothing. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you kicked me out. You didn't clothe me. I was sick, and I was in prison, and you didn't look after me. The audacity is this, though. Those that think they would have been involved the whole time said, Lord, when did we see you thirsty or a stranger or in need? needing clothes, sick, and we didn't help you. He says the exact same thing to the sheep or the goats. Whatever you did, for the least of these, you did it unto me. And then he says this, go away. Now, I'm not saying that we lose our salvation based on what we do. You can't lose what you didn't earn in the first place. But there is a direct biblical link to supply the needs of others in the act of giving, the experience of Jesus Christ in our lives as we freely give and as we hilariously love others. P.J. Palmer, I, I quoted him in my PhD, he said, in every encounter with every stranger, we're given the chance to meet the living Christ. Through the stranger, our view of self, of world, or God is deepened. It's expanded. Through the stranger, we're given the chance to find ourselves. I want to say this. I think that's the case for generosity. 
I think it's the act of giving that gives us the opportunity to find ourselves again. It's certainly something I'm learning. And I've needed to learn it, to be fair. And if I were very honest with you, I have had to learn this. God, God takes us all through journeys of giving in areas in our lives where we need a bit of refinement. And I have needed the refinement. And God is doing that in me. And I, I'm really grateful because I can't lead you into acts of giving if I don't get refined myself. <laughs> And so I pray that you would forgive me for those times when I have been selfish. Because I have been. And I hope you will forgive me. But I know that God is able. And he is able to do abundantly more than I think or imagine. And he's able to change my heart. And if he's able to change my heart, he is able to change your heart. We need your prayers. I've got two women flying in on Thursday. Natalia and Olena. Well, Olena's a 10-year-old girl. Bilenenko. And they're going to be living in our home. For a period of time. While their husbands and sons fight on the front. I'm prayerful that she will come and be here with us and be part of our community. And I, I know that you will receive her well because you receive people well in downfield mains. But if you could just be praying for us that we will be those people that I've tried to preach about today with humility and grace that I will, I will be transformed so that I can love people well. And part of that is giving my life. Amen? Let's pray. <coughs> Father, I thank you that you are, you are a good God. You are worthy, Lord, of all my praise. You're worthy of our praise. And I pray that you would do in us, Lord, what we cannot do for ourselves. God, that you would transform us into hilarious givers. That we would give our lives first and foremost to you. And then we would love our neighbors as we love ourselves. Father, as, as P.J. Palmer said, would we be transformed, Lord? Would we encounter you so that we might be changed? Father, I thank you that you have plans for Natalia and Elena, you have plans for me and my family. You have plans for every family in this church. And God, we thank you for those plans. Lord, I pray that you would bind downfield in a place in which we will share and serve each other well. And Father, in those moments when we sense your spirit leading God, that we would say, I can meet this need. I can meet this need. We all have something to bring to the table. In Jesus' name, amen.